that instead of saying no, he just made them suck. <laughs> this says so much about gaming culture. <laughs> oh no. You want to do another pass of that line? Yeah, I'm good. Margaret. Margaret. She's got it. She's got it. She's got you. All right, we're ready for your next take when you when you want to go. Fuck. Oh, this says so much about gaming culture. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say it without <laughs> the poison coming out of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it back into my throat too much. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Blooper reel. Oh my god, this says so much about gaming culture. There we go. We did it. We did it. <clears throat> <laughs> You ready to go? You ready to go? Ready to do I this? I think I'm ready to go. Margaret, put your finger on the trigger. <laughs> Mar- Button. Margaret, what did you say when you start a Margaret? Margaret. <laughs> Margaret, you ready? Okay, hit record, Margaret. Okay, I think she's. Okay, yeah, I see the red light. We're good to go. <laughs> Welcome to bonus experience. Hey, we're bonus experience. The two of us, we're, we're the, the, two we're of the us, bonus us. experience. Yeah, we are. We are the bonus we're experience. We're extra experience that uh, we get. <laughs> we're bonus. For participating, for drawing cool art. Yeah, for bringing brownies. For showing up, for bringing the food. For yeah. driving the GM um, to the venue. You get bonus experience. <laughs> bonus experience. I'm Monica. I'm Ray. And this is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. Also, like, we've gone seven episodes without mentioning that, like weird like queer as folk oh yeah that's really important yeah it's, this is a queer it show doesn't seem like something really that i should important. like constantly be wearing on my on my shirt like a badge but okay but i've been listening to a lot of uh, i've been listening to a lot of cameron esposito's query and sure let me let me plug her show Com- famous comedian doesn't really need my plug but <laughs> it's more like um, let me send some prayer <laughs> let me yeah let me bolster mm-hmm. let me send her my but, my energy for the spirit bomb but but like what she it's great and if you are queer and even if you're not you should really listen to it because it's a show about identity and experience and she brings in all these like luminaries in the queer community who are doing amazing things and like just has a an hour-long conversation with them and she's an excellent interviewer but anyway she's also funny as hell oh she is funny as hell but query isn't really very funny it's very serious serious and like personal um you should listen to her other show. Put your hands together if you want to. And let me plug all of Cameron's shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to be famous so she'll talk to me. Um, but <laughs> like, um, but anyway, she talks about taking up space and like as queer people to take up space and be visible, and that like makes more queer people safe by being visible. Especially so we're being queer, visible. Queer women too. Women are already pressured yeah. into taking up as little space as possible and, and not causing a fuss and not being loud. So, yeah, we, we really, I guess we should be making more of a big deal out of the fact that we're both like LGBTQAIPWXY and Z. Um, I just, I just like the term queer. I know, too. my personal. I don't really say it out loud um, a lot. It's kind of a strange, you know, living in Kansas and, and for all intents and purposes, passing is straight. <laughs> like, yeah, like dropping same. the word queer is like, queer. Well, yeah, you shouldn't both say us, that, bro. Both of us queer women married to men. Because when you're, when you're bi, it's such a complicated 
identity already because you from from the you know from the hard gay side <laughs> from, from the hard gay side it's like well you're just faking it for attention and from the straight side it's will you have a uh, you're just with faking my wife? it for attention <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah so like i also you know use the word bisexual that's a pretty good term for how i you. identify for me yeah <laughs> that's you me. yeah no. um I used to be like, yeah, it's 50-50, but I, I've get, gotten gayer as I got older. No, I, I, I swing back and forth like a pendulum, and it can vary from, like, weeks to months. Like, like just, just the other weekend, I went to see a hockey game live for the first time. I got to see my New York Rangers play the Avalanche, get their ass handed them, because they are not very good this year. But they were my, they're my boys. They're all my hockey husbands. Okay. Um, and on for that weekend, I was extremely straight. Like, I... <laughs> And then I go to a hockey game. I'm like, no, I'm definitely. No, wait, now wait. Am I actually straight? Have I been faking it this whole time? So that's the that's the peril of being bi. It is, but understand is. that you can yeah. be both, and you could be one or the other, and you can swing back and forth, and it's fine. Anyway, we're queer. And like, <laughs> I I also like the term queer because it also sums up like. I got some gender shit. My 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 relationship. Yeah, we both with... have some gender shit too. Yeah, I, I really like she her pronouns. I'm perfectly happy with those. Um, I don't necessarily think that they or him feels better. Um, it's yeah. sort of a sort of a uh, so queer is great. Yeah, well, <laughs> because like, queer is the very definition of uh. yeah, yeah. Queer is fantastic because it yeah, it's great. It's a great word. I, I, it's the word I like to use for myself, both gender and sexuality. And we can blame it on um. I watched a lot of Ronma one half and Utena when I was younger. So <laughs> let's let's point the finger at the terrible anime. No, Utena's really Utena great, is really Utena is Revolutionary Girl Utena is one of the best shows ever made. But anyway, we spent all this time <laughs> talking about queerness. Um we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Um also we swear, die mad about it. Also we swear, get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh hey, did you see cuz this is going to date the episode. Um that a woman got the new D&D dev job. No, I didn't. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. I haven't been very active on the social medias lately. Okay, so in case you didn't know, D&D 5th Edition had an open casting for <laughs> their 5th uh, uh, Edition developer. Okay. Um, and I have completely blanked on her name, and I should have put it in the outline, and I didn't, but it is a woman, I think her name is Kate or Katie... Um, she's on some Penny Arcade thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna demonstrate how out of touch I am with popular things. Okay. Um, but I'm proud of her. <laughs> I'm proud of her. I'm glad that... Whoever you are, I'm glad you're that doing great. We have, and I'm, I'm gonna get <laughs> tweeted at a million times. Look, guys, please don't. I, I know who she is. I just can't remember her name right now. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I saw it. I, I, I read her name. I was like, it's awesome. We finally have a, a visible woman here. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's fucking great. Yeah. It's fucking great, and I'm proud of her, and I'm glad that she's there, and I'm glad Wizards of the Coast chose to put a woman in such a visible position. And I hope yes. shitheads on the internet don't drive her out of it. Yes, let's let's try to <laughs> let's form a human wall around her. Keep keep people from getting all mad about you put a black dwarf in this game. Dwarves aren't black. <sighs> oh, for God's sake. <sighs> All right, sure. There's dragons, but not black dwarves. All right. So, <laughs> speaking of... That's not what we're talking yeah, about today. things that are real in setting, uh, today's topic is diegesis. Diegesis. It's a big fucking word. It's a weird, weird-ass word a lot of you probably haven't heard, and I couldn't really use in a sentence 
before we decided we would be talking about diegesis. I but now that I know what it is, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. Well, this like is important. So now I know what the word is for this thing that I know it's, about. It's um like a film and theater term, but it's really, yes. really, really yeah. important to to gaming and game design, um, and especially your attitudes towards at the table. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, Lindsay Ellis's video blog on the Phantom of the Opera. Which, if you don't watch Lindsay Ellis's video film criticism videos, you should. Let me plug more famous people who don't need me <laughs> to plug them. Uh, <laughs> I would also like to be famous if Lindsay Ellis will talk to me. That'd be cool, too. Um, <laughs> just add that to just the list. Just add to the list. There's, and she's queer, too. Um, like, a whole, whole no, bunch nice. of like, yeah. awesome queer women who I would just love to have a conversation with. And, and like maybe not be able to make big girl words because I'm fangirling too hard. Um, but like she, she defines it in one of her videos about in the context of film, which is one of the places where I like developed an understanding of this term. Um, so let me break diegesis, which is a big fucking weird word into smaller words that are easier to understand. Things that are diegetic um, are things that are real within the context of the narrative. And since narrative is also a kind of highfalutin word too, that's stuff that's actually happening in the story or is real in setting. So, so things uh, like um, things things like the fight happening on the screen when you're watching a movie, that fight is right. diegetic, but the soundtrack yes. to the fight that's playing, that's non-diegetic. That's happening Correct. outside of the world. If right. you're in a Deadpool movie and Deadpool's actually reacting to the soundtrack, that's him breaking the fourth wall and that's a completely different thing. Well, like, if... There's a scene where, like, a mobster turns on the record player and the opera starts playing as the soundtrack and he starts, like, mowing people down or whatever to this opera that's actually playing on the record player. That's diegetic, though the, like, editing of the pe- of the scene is not. Right. So in game terms, some things are really clearly diegetic. Um, the best example of these are superpowers in superhero games. If your character has super speed, that is literally a thing your character has in setting. Some things are not diegetic. Character levels. Experience points. Spell slots. Yeah. Uh, though spell slots, some Fate like points. spell slots and hit points are both things that like people like to make diegetic, but aren't quite. And we're going to get to more on hit points in a hot second. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> uh, I think you Did you say fate points out loud? I see it on the outline. Yeah, okay. I did say fate points out loud. But, you know, quietly to myself. Mm, fate points. Fate right? points. Fate points. Yeah, yeah, fate points. Fate points. Fate points. Your character in the setting wouldn't go, hang on, I have a fate point. Right. That would sound dumb. Right. Or any other, like, dramatic editing or narrative control resource where you spend it to make a change. Are, are not diegetic, though perhaps the change is. Mm-hmm. And some things... And then I see that you write that um, <laughs> that's nebulously diegetic, yeah. colon, Exal- exalted. Playing exalted. All of exalted is nebulously diegetic. And that is a big problem with it as a game. Oh, you think so? I, I absolutely think so. <laughs> At least it's a problem with the fandom. <laughs> <laughs> Does this go beyond, like, are moats real? It's, like, are moats real is a big thing. How The people who try to science out how much energy a moat produces, like, are charms diegetic? I don't know, but I like the idea of, like, shouting out the name as you perform them. Sure, like, well, you're supposed to shout out the name of your combo. <laughs> really, are you? Mm-hmm. I couldn't come up with a better name for something than Heaven Thunderhammer <laughs> when I'm about to, like, knock somebody into the sun. I had some real good combo names, and I, I have to go dig out my old character sheets to remember all of them. But, like, yeah, okay, sure, sure, yelling your powers out is, is neat, but, like, 
is an excellency diegetic. True. You're not going to shout first archery, first archery excellency, excellency. <laughs> as you fire that arrow. True. You miss your like Nebulous third leader. archery excellency. <laughs> Just as planned. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're like a you know like a sidereal and you're trying to like shun the smiling lady. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is art is ox body diegetic like i could go on and on and on about what like hearthstone hearthstones are diegetic (laughs) question mark hearthstones are diegetic but is mance rating diegetic like uh, the mance rating indicates that level one mances are smaller than level five mances but can you visibly see the difference yes question mark and do you even refer to it as this is a level one mance within the narration obviously you probably wouldn't call it a level one mance but like do characters understand that level one mances are diegetically more powerful than level five mances does it matter is the (laughs) difference simply that they see what i'm see what i'm talking about yeah Uh, all of exalted is nebulously diegetic it is the best example or worst example of how this can be a problem So that, that I guess that goes into um, when someone tries to take something that's not diegetic and then like cram it into the narrative. Right. Yeah. I have a whole little rant on our, our outline here that I find a few things more bothersome than when someone decides something that is non-diegetic must firmly be a setting reality. I just talked about like people who decide to figure out how much energy a moat produces. Which is a complete waste of goddamn time. <laughs> that's never going to come up. In a game, ever. <laughs> right, like, is it moles? Moles is heat, right? Uh, jewels? Yes. Or jewels also heat? Jewels? No. no. One of them is energy, one of them is... Calories. calories is definitely heat. <laughs> K-Cal. Yeah, calories is, is definitely heat. I'm an English major. Moles is liquid, jewels, I think, energy. Like, they had converted it into the, the unit of energy and, like, done all the science and the math for how much a moat is worth and like how much does how much energy does 10 moats put off and can you power a car with 10 moats and like i don't think i can conceive of an rpg net post that i would want to read less (laughs) i am really trying hard like even someone who came in like no fatal's actually really good for the realism no i would no I think I would read that over the how many jewels is a mode of essence. <laughs> Science Twitter, feel free to correct me on my rusty, my very rusty chemistry. <laughs> Science Twitter, feel free to fuck right off if you feel like adding me. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like science. I was almost a bio major. Secretly a big old science nerd. Um, anyway, so uh, the example I have on here is a story I actually heard on um, System Master podcast. Let me just continue to plug things that don't need me to plug them. Um, <laughs> it shows how connected you are. I just—I've been listening to a lot of this stuff. I just decided I was gonna—I went from being like I don't listen to podcasts to being like I listen to podcasts all day at work. Podcasts are great. They really are. I just—I mostly listen to like <laughs> like talk podcasts and comedy podcasts. Yeah, same. I, I should probably expand my repertoire. Uh, System Mastery is a, a pair of very funny guys who review old shitty systems and then talk about them in really cool ways, and you, they're very enjoyable and are sort of like part of my inspiration for what we're going for here too so you should definitely give it a listen you particularly rachel not our audience oh, but our audience me? too sure yeah <laughs> tell tell margaret to put them in the show notes hey margaret 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 <laughs> margaret margaret put down the orange juice look at me She's making fucking, mimosas already it's not even morning fucking margaret and her orange juice margaret the lush <laughs>
Anyway, so they told a story about people deciding that the natural geometry of D&D 4th edition had to be different because characters move on a diagonal at the same as the same speed as um, a horizontal and vertical axis. Um, because, you know, actually, if you move diagonally on a square grid, you move further. Which, which means, obviously, literally, that the Pythagorean theorem doesn't apply anymore because characters move on a diagonal further than they do, but it's the same number of squares. Okay, so I take back what I said about moats as jewels being the RPG net post that I would least want to read. <laughs> this would be the RPG post. And the RPG net post I would least want to read. Okay, so like moats are also nebulously diegetic. This is the problem with Exalted because because like having moats and having essence and being full of essence and like having so much power is a thing in setting. Like yeah, characters a are, moat could be real. A moat yeah. could be real. Like the character is aware to some degree that they have a resor- a reservoir of power in them that they have to measure out. Even narratively. So, like, but someone would conceive of how much energy is that? How much power is in a person? Like, what's that reservoir full of? I understand that leap of logic, right? Like, I get it. I think it's a waste of your time, but I understand why you did it. (laughs) Um, But, like, the battle battle mat is an abstraction. It's just there to help you figure out where things go and, like, to place your shit. Like, bursts or whatever center around certain characters and they take up a certain number of squares and you move a certain distance because that's the board you move on and that's, like, the frame. It's not diegetic. Just because somebody moves on a diagonal further means the design space didn't give a fuck about diagonals being bigger. (laughs) And and not, this is some, you know, non-Euclidean bullshit. Right, movement rate. (laughs) Like, alternate universe. Movement rate isn't diegetic diegetic look at the also the design space says that doesn't matter we don't care that a diagonal is further than horizontal and vertical that like it wasn't concerned with that being a a longer distance unlike previous editions where if you move diagonally you moved like one and a half half yeah now now it's like it's one and then two and then one and right yeah which is which is i guess fair because yes diagonals move further but a huge pain in the dick yeah <laughs> it's a huge pain in the dick yeah uh, and like yes there's the design space says we don't care that the diagonal is bigger it's a huge pain in the dick we don't care don't worry about it we, we've got we've, more fun things like, to there's do there's way more important things to worry about than be hung up on the fact that if you move on a diagonal you move further on a square board jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> This gets filed in there with people who get mad about elf monks. Right. So anyway, um, tell me about hit points. Yes. Are they diegetic or not? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Are they? I remember in 4E, there was this whole thing where you could be bloodied. Right. Where if you had half your hit points removed... You were bloodied, which I always interpreted as just like that Final Fantasy X like slump when you've beaten the monster, the boss monster down. It starts to like like take a knee. Yeah, uh, well, but like player characters could also be bloodied and take yeah. a knee. And there were things that because that was a mechanic that like marked half hit points as a thing. Sometimes enemies would then get bonuses to hit you or hit harder when you were bloodied, Ugh, okay. or like be able to um, uh, charge you and make an extra attack if you were bloodied or things like that. Like it, it was a mechanic that then had other things hinged on it, and like so bloodied being like a mechanic was one thing, and like how you interpreted that was it that you were super beat up? Sure, you're at half hit points. What does that mean? Are hit points diegetic? Yes and no. <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't it's an abstraction it doesn't come down to like i don't know is your arm broken yeah are you bleeding out did you puncture a lung right do, are, do you just feel a little nauseous <laughs> and what do hit points mean is literally a question we've asked ourselves since uncle gary invented them 
Uncle, Uncle Gary <laughs> is what I call Gary Gygax. Crazy Uncle Crazy Gary. Uncle Gary. <laughs> the reason that we struggle with, like, what do hit points mean? Are they an abstraction? Are they not an abstraction? Is that we, we like to tell ourselves that hit points are not diegetic, but then we also love to make them be diegetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are they or aren't they? I, my answer is, is that I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's easier to say that they aren't. Thus, hit points are an abstraction, literally the thing we talk about, like, what did bloodied mean? And then, like, all the cool shit that you could key off of bloodied as a mechanic. Um, right. So, Uncle Gary actually said that the first die of your hit points was your meat. So, like, your first D4 if you're a wizard. That's your meat. That's your... That's your... That's the actual bits of you. <laughs> that's your... Your flesh and blood, that's your wizard you meat. You rolled one? Sorry, sucker. Um, you got one meat. You got one meat. Uh, and then the rest, <laughs> and the, the, the rest of your hit points you gained after that were extraction. Obviously, you don't get like bigger, <laughs> right? Like, or do or you? Do you? Mm. Level twenty characters are enormous. Big wizard meat muscles. <laughs> Muscle but, wizard. And then, but then, like a lot of rules didn't support that. Um, yeah, like from there, it doesn't from really, there on it, it didn't doesn't play nice. People would work into like add stuff to it, and they're like everybody wants to make hit points diagenic, and they're, they're they're not. They also are. Thanks, Uncle Gary. <laughs> the idea that like your one to maybe ten is somehow diagenic, but your ten to thirty isn't doesn't what? Yeah, how does something stop being diagenic? How does something stop being diagenic? How do you how do you like go? Okay, well, well, this particular thing is is diegesis but this the rest of it isn't sorry gary that you fucked that one up <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you though because well go easy on well, him he's, he's dead. dead yeah um and also <laughs> like when you were making that up you didn't have anything else to go on so you didn't you didn't really nobody knew what yeah, we were doing he was he was doing all right for like coming up with something yeah, yeah. that wasn't really really done in the western world right like for for, for everybody's first try we did okay we did okay yeah yeah so when we when we talk about like hit points as an example of things that are kind of diegetic, kind of not, I know that lots of other games have their own answer to this, to their own answer to to meet yeah. how many hits you can take. Um, when we get into things like um, Blades in the Dark or Fate, where hit points are no longer like numbers that gradually decrease, and they kind of they express it as like actual narrative. And a penalty, like like fate would say, oh, your mild consequence has been filled in, or blades would say, oh, you take a you take the minor harm, and now I think it's like what like negative one die to your pools. Would you say that that's a good answer to hit points? Does that bring it into diegesis? I mean, it makes it more diegetic, um, or at least that's the way our group runs them, because uh, it does try to express it as something real happening to your character, right? Uh, like, so yeah, in our last Blades game, my character got punched in the chest by a vampire, <laughs> which... Oh, okay. Fun yeah. Times. Which, you know, she was she what was wrestling do? the ghost out of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't like that. Yeah, no, they don't, they don't <laughs> like that at all. And I rolled a... They like to keep their ghosts in I place. rolled a five, which is not a full success. So... So we got to punch so got in the chest. got in the chest, which would have been a level three wound. Oh, Jesus, yeah, really? Uh, yep. That's a terrible punch. Yeah. Got you, like, right in the sternum? Yep, but I... So, because I'm um, the cutter, I have a big old load, which is the amount of equipment you can carry, and it has one of my favorite equipment systems where, like, you get to tick so many boxes on your equipment list, and you just be, get to be like, I have this weapon now! Which is my favorite, yeah. my favorite way to do equipment. I hate being like, 
Did you pack everything? Make sure you have everything in your bag of holding. Blades addressed so many issues with like metagaming and retconning and, and basically working it into the system. Like, yes, please metagame. Yes, please retcon. Yeah. So I, we'll give it a cost if you want to do that. So I've done this trick several times, such to the point that it's really become like a signature character thing, where like I chose um, a little great coat as my stylish. You get a, like a stylish piece of clothing in your playbook yeah. and I have a, I have a big old great coat um, and my character has repeatedly gotten hit like in the chest and then like all the buttons blow off her coat and she's, I've declined to declare heavy armor right then. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, and I've done it like your chest, your coat bursts open. It's like, I was wearing a plate. plate on. And yes, um, awesome. like I, I, my background is that I'm trades, a tradesman and a blacksmith. So like, I like to imagine that she makes all her shit. Oh, or has really cool. made all her shit. So, like, on several occasions, like, her great coat has blown open and then, like, she's wearing a breastplate. And, and I did that again. And I was like, hey, you know that thing I do where my coat blows open and I'm wearing armor? <laughs> I'm declaring heavy armor right now. <laughs> That's pretty great. So I did that and it bumped it down from three to one. It went from, like, sucking chest wound to, like, bruise ribs. <laughs> and the idea <laughs> dented that, like... Breastplate. Dented breastplate. Yeah, the idea that my character would be like, oh, fuck bruised ribs for the rest of the session or until I, you know, got to go see a doctor or whatnot, um, makes that diegetic because I literally right. got punched in the chest. Yeah. And it's something that exists within the narrative. You're another person could say, Oh, sorry about your bruised rib to your character. Cause, Cause like, it's there. It exists. It exists. But they couldn't say like, sorry about your level one harm. Cause that's not how it's said. That's not how it's represented in the narrative. You also get to declare like allies, uh, an ally and an enemy on your character sheet. And that's really neat too. And my ally is, so here's, this is what playing with me is like. So I, I have, um, I declared my, my ally and my enemy and I'm like, okay, I have a positive relationship with, uh, Marlene, the pugilist. She's into, mm-hmm. she's into me. Yeah. I have a negative relationship with mercy, a cold killer. <sighs> she's into me. <laughs> In a bad way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, but like I could go see my punch girlfriend who would be like, oh, honey, let me get you a steak for your bruised ribs, you know? Punch girlfriend. (laughs) There's no steak in blades. A mushroom steak, a cold mushroom steak. Let me get you an ice cold eel. Eel. Yeah, sure. Wrap that around your chest. Some raw meat for your... For your bruised ribs, and then like that becomes a thing because we've established it in the in the narrative that exists. So is it better mm-hmm. or worse? I don't necessarily know that this is a qualitative statement. It is simply more diegetic. Um, okay. Like in the same vein, I could be bloodied in D anD D forty, and my warlord, who is one of my favorite characters ever, could go hang out with. Well, warlords are the best. best. They were the best, uh, and she could go see her uh, girlfriend who used to be her boyfriend, and then some weird shit happened. And yeah, you know, yeah, it, happens. it happens. It wasn't like a, it wasn't, I don't mean weird shit as in like choosing to switch genders or I didn't mean that to sound transphobic. <laughs> That's not what I mean at all. There was like literally. That's not the weird part. That wasn't the weird <laughs> that part. part. There was like, this Very was a decision accepted. on the part of the player because the player wanted to change their character's gender and then did some weird magic stuff. That was the weird part. The magic part. The magic weird. part was weird, not the choice. <laughs> So your warlord can anyway, go to, your, go to my girlfriend and your trans girlfriend and be like, "Oh, I'm bloody and I'm all messed up." And then, but I have to decide out of character, like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. and then like she could still be like, "Here's an eel for your ribs," <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been a thing that we agreed. That would also be weird <laughs> that we agreed upon, as opposed to as opposed so to. So it like, is 
being a, a, so an is, established thing in, in the narrative. Is this just like trivia for making yourself sound smart when you're at the table? Like, why would we, why, why should we talk about diegesis when we're talking about games? Okay, well, I think we kind of covered a lot of that ground because first off, we're talking about what do hit points mean? And we just talked about like how Blades does harm. And if you're writing a game, that's something you think about. Do you want to to create a setting or a system for harm that's perhaps more abstract, like like hit points? And if you are going to say hit points are an abstraction, like if you have a wound pool that like ticks down until a character's out of a fight, then you have to figure out what that means in the frame of play. And if you want to do something more like blades, where like you take so much harm, like and then you get to label that bruised ribs or sucking chest wound or busted orbit or whatever then like you have to think about that too and what that means and like or if you want to do like a bloody thing in dnd 40 where like what does that mean and like do do other mechanics key off of it when you basically when you write game mechanics you're sort of writing an underpinning for things that are also story so you have to think about what does it mean because what does it mean in the setting in the context of play also affects game feel Ever played a game where it's supposed to be like, oh, this is supposed to be a heroic game, but we can't pass any rolls, so it doesn't feel heroic at all. Mm -hmm. That's really important because the... Ooh, I burped. (laughs) Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) It's about about trying to make your system fit your narrative. Yes. And another big reason is that people often try to fix things by making them diegetic or to solve an out-of-character problem with an in-character solution. And that goes all the way back to the days of Uncle Gary. And now <laughs> now this might be apocryphal, um, but this is a story I heard. I don't know if it's true, thus being apocryphal. Um, but demi-humans in like very beginning D&D, elves and dwarves and whatnot, all had all these drawbacks because Uncle Gary wanted to make a game about humans. And, like, humans fighting a human war sort of feely. But his players pestered him so much that instead of saying no, he just made them suck. Oh my god, this says so much about gaming culture. <laughs> um, some people... So instead of just saying no, he made them suck. He made suck. them suck. Which, like, I've seen so many people in my days... <laughs> my many days! <laughs> like, <laughs> try to resolve... Try to solve an out-of-character problem with an in-character solution. Um, the biggest example I can also think of of this off the top of my head is in a, in a game where the system breaks really easily, mm-hmm. where someone makes a character that's so powerful, um, nothing can challenge them anymore. Yeah. Or they become so powerful that they overrun the whole party, and then that player gets to kind of control the scope of the whole game. Yeah, yeah. And I see a lot of people suggest the DM do things like oh, target their weaknesses, or up the difficulty of the encounter, or do all these in-character, in-story things, or, like, make the combat monkey have to deal with a social situation, which is literally reshaping your narrative to solve an out-of-character problem, Mm -hmm. when the real problem is that the system failed you. Right. The system broke down. It's not... The solution is not that you, as the DM, aren't clever enough to challenge this person who came up, who who found all the loopholes and made the character that doesn't work. It's the fact that the system had the loopholes to begin with. Yeah. And, like, people lean on diegesis to solve that problem, where they are like, oh, well, we'll just not have any more fights, Mr. Combat, whatever. <laughs> and then you've, you've, you've let this non-diegetic problem, the broken system, become a diegetic problem. Get it? 
Yeah. Um, also, some people leap immediately to the conclusion that your rules are somehow a physics engine. This is impossible. You are a human. You are not a computer. <laughs> <laughs> you can't perfectly simulate reality. Right. And then they with want... points, numbers, and dice. Yeah. And then they want things to be diegetic that aren't like how far you can fucking jump and exalt it. <laughs> is that really something that people like go nuts about i just threw it out as an example i've oh, okay. I don't have a story about that one in particular <laughs> uh i do have a story about someone so i'm going to leave this person's name out of it because they might listen to the show and this was a long time ago so i don't want to embarrass somebody for something they said nearly a decade ago but anyway so i, I was friends with this person and we were having a, a long conversation about Exalted, and they expressed concern about wearing perfected boots and also wearing one of the um, armor of the Elemental Dragons. Because okay. they both have movement multipliers that stack. So a person wearing perfected boots and also wearing one of the terrifying or whatever the fuck armors of the Elemental Dragons could run like crazy, crazy fucking fast. They had an issue with this mechanically. Like, they didn't want those two effects to stack. And okay. so they were kind of asking me for advice for how to deal with it. And I was like, well, tell your player they can't have both. <laughs> there you go. It's pretty yeah. simple. And they were like, no, no. The reason you can't stack these two, actually, is because you can't wear boots over boots. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> it was. They were like... No, trust me, if they can think of a way to do it, they'll wear boots no, no, over no. boots. <laughs> the, the perfected armor of the dragons, like, powers down if you take the boot bits off and you put other boots on. You can't, you can't do that. You have to keep the whole suit of armor together. Note that nothing ever says that anywhere. Okay. So you'd have to put your greaves, the boots on over the greaves, and you can't wear boots over boots. <laughs> All right, or you could say no, you can't have both. <laughs> can you hear the face I'm making? I can, I can feel it. Okay, I yeah. can smell it. <laughs> the idea that you can't wear boots over boots, and insisting to a player that you can't wear boots over boots when the real issue is that you don't want two modifiers to stack, mm -hmm. is 100% making a non-diegetic issue diegetic. Oh. And don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't cross the streams. Yeah, don't cross those streams. Although I do have a question about, okay. um, instead of taking things that are non-diegetic and making them diegetic, I have thoughts about the opposite of this. I've okay. had um, I've had games where I've been on both sides of the screen where um, role-playing has gotten hamstrung because the player behind the character is not as socially or mentally agile as like as would be required of them and people yeah. are reluctant to actually let the dice resolve a social or mental encounter and and like insist that it has to be done like narratively like no you player who don't actually you don't actually have 20 intelligence but come up with how you're going to solve this so do do you like think that anything is lost by saying okay you know what no just it's fine just roll it just give me a give me the gist of it and and give it a roll or or do you think it should be like, oh no, you gotta you gotta do that part narratively. What a big fucking asshole I would be if I was like, yeah, you have to think it out. If you don't have, if you don't, if you're not really intelligent, don't play an intelligent character. But no, but <laughs> but have you have you been in a lot of games where it's been like it's cool, just just roll the social attack. You don't have to actually role play this out. Um, I haven't been in too many games where somebody didn't at least make a token effort. Yeah. Um, and I've been I've definitely been in a position where I'm like. 
I'm too tired to brain this out. Can I roll for a good plan? (laughs) (laughs) I got a a 10. Good plan. Yeah, actually, this happened in the last, through the Breach game, and, like, I finally got to, like, make a deal with a canon character who I'd been looking forward to, 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 like, dealing with for the whole time, and, like, I sort of almost fangirled out out of character, and I was like, fuck, I don't know what to say to her. I mean, like, I know what I want... I was basically like, okay, I know what I want out of this interaction. I'm having a hard time coming up with what my character would say. And I'm, like, also super excited that this is happening. <laughs> it's totally fine to admit that, like, you're excited about something happening or, like, that you're real caught up in the moment. And I was like, okay, so here's here's the gist of what I say to her. How about I flip for it? This is this is what I want out of the interaction. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with not diving into roleplay if you can't or if you don't feel like you're, you've got the right words or whatever. Um, and just going, but but what you should do is communicate want. So right. in that case, like if you're if it's a social situation where you're like, I, I'm not the best speaker, but I want to give a rousing speech before the court to convince them that like they should lend us their aid in this war and that it'll be, be- best for both kingdoms and like I'll marry the prince if if that would secure the alliance or whatever. Here are the things I want. I want their I want their military support, and I'm willing to offer like myself as a political marriage right like this is what i'm putting out there can i roll because then that gives the gm something concrete to 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 deal with and to respond to because otherwise then you're if you don't do any of that then your gm has to like yeah so in in that case it's in that case it's it's preferable to kind of lean away from narrative coherency into okay no we need to we need to step back Go behind the cameras over here. Everyone cut, cut. Okay. What's and, my and motivation? Even... <laughs> What's my line? And even if you are good at giving rousing speeches, like I've had some players deliver some real great speeches, like cool, in the moment, inspired, like truly inspired oratory at the game table is great. If you can do that, phenomenal. Still at the end, make it clear what you want. Yeah. <laughs> You still have to be like, I'm doing a thing and I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I'm rolling to convince the prince. But your 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 question is, do we lose anything by going, this is what I want, I'm rolling? No. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Like, I think it would be boring if the whole game was just, I roll to seduce him. <laughs> Good, he's seduced. I think <laughs> there's some, I mean, I at least get a lot of pleasure out of inhabiting a character i think that's fun even as a gm i would be bored if it was all role play and 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 it wasn't cool tactical combat like i actually find tactical combat really fun which is why you like fourth edition fourth edition yeah. so much yeah <laughs> so, so it has a, a large portion of, of that yeah the two things are not mutually exclusive fuck y'all um, but, but yeah, like if, if I'm not playing, cause, um, our friend Brian also has a game called Beneath Nexus, which is like very much an antagonistic GM, not role-playing game, but a, a, a bit of a like adventure game where there's some strategy and like all it is is combat encounters and the person who is running the game is, it is, is actually trying to kill you. That's the point of the game. It's the object is yeah, to, okay. to, to, to beat all the monsters and, and win the three encounters. I enjoy playing sort of the tanky guy because I like to apply some strategy. So if I'm not going to role play, I want to use my brain in the strategy of the play. If that makes sense. Yeah, you want to be engaged. Right, I want to be engaged. In- engaged, like the the one episode we had about talking, yeah, 
engagement. Mm. When was the engagement episode? Two? No. No. Three? three. Yes, yeah. it's three. I mean, <laughs> if, right. assuming, three. assuming we release these in the order that we recorded them in. Oh, shit. Wouldn't that be a trip? <sighs> fucking Haruhi Suzumi up in here. <laughs> try to piece together the mystery. And stay tuned afterwards for when we do a dance to a really catchy song. You'll love it. You'll love and then we'll have a second season that's total shit. <laughs> we just released the same episode over and over again. We're not going to do that. We'll be talking about our favorite systems for six weeks. Six straight weeks. No, I'm sorry. Eight weeks. <gasps> Fuck. No, I'm getting mad again. <laughs> My weeb rage. All right. So that's diegesis. Yeah, it's diegesis. Anything else you... Now you know all sorts of things about diegesis as it pertains to games. You can use that word at your table and everyone will look at you like, whoa, what? you're so smart. You could be like, it's because I listened to a bonus experience. Yeah. Um... Here's where you can find bonus experience, friends. Let me hand out some cards. You can find me, Ray, on Twitter. That's at ray underscore cole i am at zenith sun like the solar cast we have a twitter yeah, we do have a twitter we are bonus xp cast exp cast uh not twitter we welcome your polite engaged feedback at bonus exp cast at gmail.com shoot us an email tell us what you think um recommend topics please recommend topics yeah or or just like you know hey here's this cool thing that happened in my game yeah. because i know that as a gm you really want to talk about your games oh yeah we'd love so to hear i you. welcome your your welcome your stories yeah we'd love and to hear your if, gm stories if it's particularly cool and or funny i may even reference it yeah we might because that's just you know we will, re- we will definitely read cool listener mail on on that on there I think one ep- I think the first listener mail we get will be so fucking excited that we'll just have a whole episode dedicated to oh my god somebody emailed us <laughs> we're yeah. gonna read it out loud um, several times oh yeah hey if you are having trouble with your game we can help you <gasps> can we yeah sure why not yeah advice yes it, yeah shoot us an email at bonus exp cast game wisdom and we will impart our game wisdom on you pick up your d10s game wisdom. also be aware that we're on like a really weird rolling schedule so like if you have if you're sending us an email and you need a response tomorrow <laughs> yeah. yeah monica's got a day job and a night job and I've got children yeah. and like a house to run and things to write. It occurs to me I haven't made you read my book. You haven't. Next time on bonus. <laughs> bonus oh yeah, and we also have a website <laughs> which is going to be bonus at expcast.wordpress.com. Yeah, that's right. We will. We do. We do. Depending on when this releases. Yeah, by the time, we you, do, by the time this will. releases, we probably will. It kind of exists in like this nebulous liminal space. Within the folds of time, we will have a have a website. We do have a website. Yes, we did have a website. We always have a website. There has never not been a website. There was never a website to begin with. Anyway, change it if you want to. <laughs> Just fucking change it if you want to. <laughs> See you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bonus Experience is filmed live before a fictional studio audience in Sigil. We are written and produced by Monica and Ray. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons license.
Our logo and art is done by Nino Studios. Check her out at Nino, that's N-E-N-O, Studios on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and see you in the next episode.